Do you know us preacher types spend hours and hours on our talks, you know, endlessly poring over scripture and praying and looking at commentaries and other books and conjuring up those little witty anecdotes that we all remember and all that kind of stuff. And, and the same applies to this talk as well. And it, it may not look like it later, but honestly I have. I spent loads and loads of time on it. But the sad reality is that most of the time we leave and we hardly remember any of it, do we? Am I just the only one who doesn't remember? <laughs> Has all that effort, all that effort goes into it. <clears throat> and we probably only remember one or two points. Um, actually, I'll be prepared, pleased if you remember any of this, to be honest. But uh, I do pray that what you do remember will be what the Lord is saying to you specifically. So I thought I would break with convention once again. And I'm going to tell you what the main point is. Right at the beginning. And something was meant to happen there. There you go. So the main point is, so there is no doubt, the Lord is actively engaged in your life, even if you don't realise it, and even if you don't believe it. He cares for you, even if you think he doesn't. Now, normally when I prepare a talk, um, to be honest, it comes fairly easily to me, uh, but this one has bothered me a bit, and it's bothered me because to do it justice, I knew I would have to share a little bit of my inner self, if you like, with you. And that's not easy, so please be gentle with me, but hopefully it helps. And right at the start, I want to make a, a kind of declaration. I believe in Jesus. I absolutely believe it. Um, I believe he is the Son of God. I know he died on the cross for me. I know he came back to life so I could be free. I know and passionately believe that the Holy Spirit is with us now. The Holy Spirit is in this room, real and alive, as just in the same way as you are sitting here. And the reason I tell you that now is just in case later on you have any doubt about that. Okay. So, Psalm 8. And the first verse and the last verse are exactly the same. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And when I first read that, I thought, well, how can that be? Because I, I know there are more Christians in the world than there ever have been in, in history at this moment in time. But there are still more non-believers than believers, aren't there? So how can the name, his name be majestic over all the earth? But then I realised what it really means is God's glory and power are present everywhere. We're under his care, even if we don't see it. And it's from this truth that the assurance of faith springs. So verse 1 sets the tone for the whole psalm with a truth. As we go through it, we discover that every verse contains a truth. So verse 2, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. But this verse must be important. We know it's important because Jesus makes reference to it in Matthew 21. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? You know, children are important. None of this children are the future of the church stuff. It's not saying that at all. It's saying children are part of the current church. And they're equal with you and I. It doesn't matter what age we are. So um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I had a call from Rachel Hay. And uh, she asked me, she said, would I mind 
going to talk to her children about Jesus. So I naturally said, yeah, of course, love to. Uh, and then she said, um, there are 60 of them. And I thought, well, you think you know someone. I know about three of them, but the other 57, I don't recall. Um, and then uh, it finally twigged that uh, she wanted me to go to Creech Primary School. And uh, I was kind of committed by then, because I said yes. But there was that moment of terror, absolute terror. Because uh, teenagers I'm okay with, but when they're only this high, I have no idea at all. I've never worked with children. So um, I thought this is going to frighten the life out of me, and indeed it did. And then she said, oh, by the way, you've only got 45 minutes. For the 45 minutes? How on earth can I fill 45 minutes? Um, so um, what do you do? Well, I, I, I spoke to my children. So, because uh, our daughter is a primary school teacher, so I rang her up and said, help me out here. What on earth can I say? What can't I say these days? What will get me thrown in jail? And all that kind of thing. Um, and she said, um, she just said, be yourself. And that's quite unusual for our children, because normally they tell me to be absolutely opposite. Whatever you do, don't be yourself. So, anyway, um, the time came, and I went into the church hall, uh, the school hall, um, and I felt a bit like Daniel going into the lion's den. Because she'd also said, oh, oh, by the way, they will be busy working on their questions for you. So there I was, I went into the, Dan, looked like Daniel into the lion's den, only with, I felt like I had extra bits of meat sewn all over me, you know, just to make, make me a bit more attractive so they could devour me. So I did, I, I spoke for a few minutes, gave them a testimony, and talked about the difference Jesus makes to my life, and then throwed it open to them for their questions. And I have to say, they were incredible. And it really proved that this verse is true, that children are so important. The questions were so mature, um, things like, would I die for my faith? Does God always forgive? How do I feel when I take communion? Amazing, powerful, really insightful questions. Uh, they also said, um, if I could write an 11th commandment, what would it be? <laughs> so I said, eat more chocolate. <laughs> and they were so... So wonderful. I have to say, they were such a great credit to that school. They were so well behaved. I was so impressed, and I felt so privileged to be able to share Jesus with them in that way. It was amazing. So, verse 2, definitely true, and we need to remember that. You know, us adults do not have a monopoly on wisdom, do we? Makes me wonder why we don't have teenagers on our leadership team. So, in a church we went to in Hampshire, we did that, and, and that was really great, because they brought a completely different insight to the running of that church. Verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? It's amazing, isn't it? We are tiny compared to the universe, but he cares for us. He actually cares for you and I, even when we don't realise it. I, uh, at Christmas time, I uh, spent some time delivering, you know, the leaflets we did about the services, and I spent some time putting those through doors. And it was great, because it coincided with the election. And uh, so, so when I was out delivering leaflets, so often people would say, oh, for goodness sake, not another election leaflet. And it was wonderful, because then I could say, no, this is so much better. 
And, and you're in, aren't you? You've got that opening, you've got that conversation. So one particular night I was doing this and uh, th- there was a guy over the other side of the road and he uh, was out walking his dog and he, he called me over and he, he said exactly the same thing, not another election leaflet, so I went through my usual stuff. And he said, oh, I'm a Christian. I said, oh, fantastic. And, and then he said, why aren't you sharing the gospel? It's like, what? wasn't expecting that. And uh, he, he then went on in a very, very negative way and he was condemning and he was condemning Hated church, hated this church, hated the church in the other village, rest of the other side of the village. Um, seemed to hate everything. And it was negative, negative, negative. It was all about condemning people. And I realized eventually who it was. And it is it's a well-known street preacher in Taunton. And we had this long conversation. And I just thought, it really struck me that Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to love us and to save us. And the message is so, so different. So he's there. Even though he created the universe, he still cares for us. Verse 5. You have made them, i.e. you and I, human beings, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. Isn't that amazing though, isn't it? He cares for us that much. More than that, he honours us. The creator of everything honours you. Isn't that fantastic? Would you like just to turn to the person next to you at the moment and just say, Lord, the Lord thinks you are amazing. Some of us just needed to hear that today, didn't we? That the Lord thinks we are amazing. Okay. I suspect this is the first time and the last time these two people will ever appear on the same slide at the same time. And they're two interesting people. And there is one key difference between these two. One of them is really, really important. And she's my first grandchild. (laughs) The other one, I will let you draw your own conclusions on. Um, But there is one key thing that is the same. They are both loved by God. Even if he doesn't always like what they do. He still loves them, still died for them. So who is crowned with glory and honour? We are. And that means you are. He died for you, was resurrected for you. He loves you even if we don't realise it or even if we don't believe it. Now, in our family, most of the time we are fairly easygoing as a family, But given the right circumstances, or the wrong circumstances, depending on your view, we are very competitive. Very competitive. And this comes out in certain situations, particularly when we play games. For example, my wife, who is not competitive at all, plays a game with me and takes on a completely different persona. She has to beat me. And unfortunately, she normally does. And at the moment... We are in a bit of a competition with the Fox family. So our friends Judy and Mark. 
Um, when we went to Israel together, uh, we were in the garden of um, the garden tomb, the potential place where Jesus was buried and then was resurrected. So a very special place. Whether it's the true place or not, who knows? But there is something unbelievably special about that place. You can sense it. And um, in that garden, they, there are carob trees growing. And uh, they lose all their seeds. So covering the ground are all these carob trees, uh, seeds. And we were encouraged to, to take some of these seeds home. So when we got home, we thought, right, we'll have a bit of a competition. We'll see who can grow the best carob seed, or the best carob tree. And I thought I would show you the results so far. So uh, this one here, there's the fox's one. Um, just about see it, can't you? Very small. <laughs> Pretty insignificant, to be honest, isn't it? And uh, you can see it's sitting on a windowsill, so you get a sense of scale there. It's only about so big, right? Okay. Um, perhaps, you know, you could argue it's a bit embarrassing. Maybe that's why they're not here today. <laughs> and here's mine. Isn't that fantastic? Clearly far, far bigger. Clearly we are winning this competition. If you look at the bottom, you can see the other treetops there, you see? So you get a sense of how big this is. We are winning this competition. Oh, you bunch of cynics. I can sense that you think I've rigged this. I honestly haven't. But I'm ahead of you, so I thought I will prove to you that my tree is huge. And I'll give you a sense of scale. So here's a picture of someone climbing my tree. <laughs> just to show you how big it is. So we are winning this competition, there is no doubt. In the kingdom of God, there is no competition. We are all top. We're all equal. Young, old, we are all the same. There is no competition. And sometimes we struggle with that because we think other people are so much more deserving of God's love than we are, don't we? But it's not true. We are all equal. All equally loved by God, even if we don't realise it, even if we don't believe it. Now, we live in a world that um, is searching for happiness, don't we? We are in the pursuit of happiness. And, you know, when we're out street passing, we see lots of people having a great time on the surface, and they look all wonderful. When you get chatting, you realise they are anything but happy. And so many people are secretly lonely or ultimately unhappy. Do you know that every year there is a World Happiness Report published? And it ranks all the countries in the world. Have a guess what's the, the happiest country last year? Who said Finland? Show off. <laughs> it is Finland. Do you know, do you know who, what was bottom? South Sudan. Where, would you, where do you think the uh, UK would be? Sort of top half or bottom half? Or? Uh, we're 15th. Yeah, 15th out of 200 and something countries. Um, <clears throat> so pretty high. We're even higher than the USA. So the land of the free and the, the American dream, we are more happy than they are. So according to that, we are a happy country. But clearly we're not. The people seek happiness and they think they find it in money, drink, possessions, power, sex, drugs, anything. But these things, they look good. Sometimes they work in the short term, but ultimately they do not satisfy because we're looking for the wrong thing. 
Because we should be looking for peace, not happiness. And ultimate peace is only found in Jesus. Now I have to say, the last year for me has not been a time of great happiness. It has been very difficult. It's been one of the worst years of my life. In fact, at times, it has been absolute hell. And it still is at times. So how am I coping? Not sure that I am in some ways. And in a sense, what makes it worse is I know so many other people, including in this church, who are in a much worse situation than I am. But it makes me feel guilty then, which sort of makes it even worse. But, you know, if, if you had your finger chopped off, and I only just badly cut mine, your situation would be much worse than mine, wouldn't it? But mine would still hurt. Does that make sense? So as I go through my sort of mini hell, if you like, there are some things that I know, and I absolutely know. I know God still loves me. And this psalm absolutely highlights that today. I know he still cares for me. I know he's still guiding me. I know he's still in control. I know he holds me in the palm of his hand. And I know it will always work out for good in the end, because it always has, and it will this time. I passionately believe that. I know it's true. But it's also not true. I believe it, but I don't always feel it. And sometimes I feel the complete opposite. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in a nightmare that I can't wake up from. I feel it will never end. And sometimes I even feel totally abandoned by God. These are not things preachers normally tell you, are they? But they're true. So how can these two things be true? Because they appear to contradict each other. But they can be. I know they can both be true because I'm in the middle of it. And nor do I think it's unhealthy. Because feelings are neither right nor wrong. They just are. It's how you deal with them that's important. So why am I sharing with this, this with you today? I'm doing it, and it's not easy, but I'm doing it because I don't think I'm alone in having a faith that is not perfect. Do you ever look at other Christians and think they just have everything so sorted? Um, they always seem to have the perfect relationship with God. Their worship and prayers are always perfect. All their family have perfect white teeth. That kind of thing. And I, I, I confess I'm slightly envious of those people, even though I know I shouldn't be. But I also don't buy it. Because I know they're just as flawed as I am. Because a perfect faith true perfect faith is unattainable in this world it's out of reach and if we had to be perfect we'd all fail because we'd give up wouldn't we because we couldn't quite get there so thank god that he accepts us as we are so the fact that i know things but don't always feel them i think is okay because my faith is real it's not all pink and fluffy it's grounded it's grubby round the edges and because of that i actually think it makes my faith and my relationship with the Lord even stronger because it's honest. The fact that I don't feel certain things at certain times doesn't mean they're not true. I just don't feel them at that moment in time. Now, if I look at you, as far as I can see, you are all wearing clothes. <laughs> I don't think anyone's sneaked in completely naked. Can you feel those clothes touching your skin? Do you sense them? Were you aware of your clothes before I mentioned it? No. You couldn't feel them, really. You're still wearing them, weren't you? 
They're still there. So even if we don't feel things, they're still there. So our faith, our Christian journey, our relationship with the Lord is not just based on how we feel at any moment in time. It's based on our experiences. It's based on God's promises. It's based on what we believe. And that's what we hold on to when times are tough and when times are good. In fact, the tough times can be when our faith is strengthened because it points to the core, it points to the heart of the matter. Now, we can't always be grateful for bad things, can we? Because that's not realistic. You know, you, you don't sort of get to the airport, miss your plane and, and think, oh, thank you, God, I've just ruined my holiday, do you? It's not realistic. But all circumstances, even the bad ones, we can be thankful for Jesus giving his life so that we can be free. So my faith is not perfect. I have my struggles. But being a Christian does not make us immune from life's challenges. But being a Christian does enable us to cope. Some call it a crutch. And frankly, I don't care. Because I know I would be dead without it. So whether you're experiencing good times, bad times, or any point in between, he still loves you, still cares for you. He's still there, even though you think sometimes he's not. Even if you don't believe it, he's still there. I'm going to finish with uh, a verse from Psalm 73, uh, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Could you just close your eyes, please? And would you mind keeping them closed? Because I don't want to embarrass anyone. I sense there are one or two people here today that uh, you know Jesus has been tapping you on the shoulder for a while. But you've been holding back because you're not 100% sure. He's still there for you. Still calling you. Today is the time to say yes. And there are others who, maybe you're going through a storm. He's still there. Hasn't abandoned you. So if that's you, would you quietly, discreetly, so no one else can see, just stick your hand up a little bit so I can see. Thank you. He's still there. He still honours you, cares deeply for you. And if you feel that maybe your, your faith isn't quite perfect either, would you like to just raise your hand? It's okay. It's okay not to be perfect. He's still there. And that's why he died on the cross for you. Because he loves you.
Could we have the prayer team up, please? You can open your eyes again now. Our time is over, but if you've stuck your hand up, if, if, if you're one of those people who finally has said, yeah, I've got to get off the fence, today is the day I will say yes to Jesus, I would love to pray for you. And the, the prayer team would love to pray for you. If you put your hand up because things are tough, we would love to pray for you. If things are fantastic, we would still love to pray for you. And if you put your hand up because you feel your faith is a bit rough around the edges like mine, again, we would love to pray for you. Coming forward for prayer is not an odd thing to do. It is the norm. So my prayer for you, really, is that you will take the opportunity. And actually, there is something, I don't understand it, to be honest, but there is something about other people praying with you. It's just a wonderful way that God ministers to us. So I urge you to take advantage of that today. So... um, Please feel free to come forward. That would be fantastic. Otherwise, our time is over. Feel free to chat, grab a coffee, or go and get lunch or whatever. Thank you. God bless.